Today's episode of the Dirty Sports Podcast is brought to you by Chill Boys, the official underwear sponsor of our show. Dirt balls, it's time to get personal. Stop putting up with your sweaty, itchy, binding underwear. Our friends at Chill Boys will bring your game to a whole new level. They sent us a great supply this whole year. They keep resupplying us with their amazing underwear, and you should have some of these too. They're all great. They got the bamboo boxers, the performance boxers, and the boxer briefs, all these different variations, which you're going to love on your bottoms. It's time to upgrade your undies, boys. Use discount code DIRTY20 at chillboys.com to save 20% on your first order. That's DIRTY20, D-I-R-T-Y 20, to save 20% on your first order at chillboys.com. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther, coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host, the Los Angeles, California, Joey No Chill Prano. Feels so good not to do that and to and to hear you do it, Andy. Welcome. Welcome back, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. It's it's good to be back. It really is. You you seem like in fairly good spirits considering everything that's gone down you've we've been talking for a few minutes before the show seems like you're you're hanging in there yeah man thanks i it's it's uh you're gonna get me all emotional off the gate uh it's it's been obviously the toughest year of my life the toughest month of my life with my dad and uh last week was just so emotionally draining and it's, you know, you know, I tell people what I've gone through and what my family's gone through. It's, it's surreal. And I know you and I have talked about that. It's, it's, it's like I'm living in a dream at times. Um, but uh, I'm very fortunate to have great support from a big family, from friends, from people like you, Tug, the Dirt Balls. And uh, it, it truly has made a huge difference on days where I'm just really, really depressed. And, well, and I, and I, and I really want to just say, Joe, like the dirt balls, like, like such a big thanks to you guys. Uh, prayer hands, prayer hands yeah. emoji. Yeah. High prayer, five emoji. Exactly. Um, I, I received so many, not just kind, compassionate and heartfelt messages, but supportive and uplifting messages from the dirt ball fam. And it, it truly does mean a lot to me and i'm not just saying that i I genuinely take to heart all the messages i've been sent or tweets or venmo donations or an impressive gift card for 
Jeff Ruby's steakhouse. He has three steakhouses in Cincinnati and Jay Lloyd orchestrated uh, a whole thing with dirt balls. It was, it was a very nice gift. And, and, and I don't want to yeah, go through that, that, uh, that mean girls chat that you dubbed it. It came through for you, huh? They are, you, might they, to, you might have to rename that chat for the, to the, uh, the donation girls. They always come through. And they did during my mom's uh, passing. And, and, and I, guys, I wish I could shout out individual names. There's just so many people. But I, I just want everyone to know that, you know, I'm doing my best. And uh, I, I'm definitely going to have my days. Like, you know, I was crying a lot this morning. And it's crazy. You think you can't cry anymore, but you do. Um, and you know me, I'm very open and honest with my feelings. And, uh, but, but I do want to say, like, you know, I, I'm here because of my dad as far as with sports. Like, like my dad, as you know, like he introduced me to sports and my memories going back to my first Reds games, to Xavier basketball, to the Cincinnati Bengals. It's like, I do this show because my dad was that, you know, he was the match that started the fire for me loving sports and he ignited it. And, uh, I know how big a part, and you and Tug did such an amazing job of saying this. Like, my dad was such a big part of this show through the stories, through you and I joking about him, through the videos. And I think that shows, and, and I hear that from the dirt balls. And, you know, he's still going to be here with us, and, and we're still going to be able to laugh about Walt and honor him. And the only way we could do through all his idiosyncrasies and how he was and you know joe because obviously you've been around my dad a lot too yeah and and honestly like going through it like uh i i saw i don't know where it came up or why it came up maybe i think maybe it was uh it was even like just pretty close to like the anniversary of it maybe nick dale shared it or something like that but the the cincinnati trip oh it was in my like google photos came up as like four years ago or whatever like the picture that we recreated that we, that we did in New York and recreated in Cincinnati of all of the dirt balls that came to your pitch around your dad in the middle. Your dad is the centerpiece. I'm yeah. on the side, you're on the side. Your dad is the focus of this picture. And you can just see on all the dirt balls faces and Walt's face, this smile of like, I can't believe, like your dad's like, I can't believe I'm surrounded by these fucking lunatics. And the, <laughs> and the dirt balls all have this like smile, like I can't believe Walt is in the middle of this picture. And yeah. I think a lot of people were like more excited to meet Walt than they were to meet us. And, yeah. you know, you said your dad got you started on sports. And like the bottom line is there's no dirty sports without Walt. Yeah. There really isn't. No, you're right. My, you know, my dad, he, he did. Like you summed it up best. He thought the dirt balls were lunatics, uh, as we all do. But, he, you know, he still loved them. And my dad was, uh, you know, he, he truly was a kind-hearted man, as much ball-busting as he would do. He, you know, he, he was a genuine person, and you're right. You know, I was and, – and it's – my whole family knows this, and I want the Dirtballs to know this. You know, my sister-in-law, who – she doesn't listen to the show, my brother Greg's wife, but she was in New York. She was in Cincinnati, right, for both pitches. She said it's so obvious how much – they fed off each other when the dirt balls would chant Walt, 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 and he would stand up and do his awkward look on his face. You know, it, it was it could not have been more obvious of 
the love that the Dirtballs and Walt had for each other. Yeah, it, it was awesome. And uh, look, you know, there's, you already said, you know, how, how great the Dirtballs have been. And, and I said it with Tug the other day, and I just want to reiterate it. It's like in times like these, um, you know, in times of your mom passing, my dad passing, I mean, even going back to like Vince, like the way people show up the dirt balls in times of distress, it really is like, it, it really is such a great reminder, uh, to me and I'm sure to you, like the way that like the heart and soul of this show is the dirt balls and that, and that, you know, just like a lot of the criticisms that you know, we hear in sports or we see on social media about the way leagues handle things or players say things or whatever is like the, the miserable sort of nasty ones. They really are the vocal minority and the ones that are laying in the weeds and whose names you only see when times are tough and they're trying to like share positivity, just like it really is heartwarming. Like how much the great, great fans of our show outnumber like the miserable mean yeah. assholes I, and, 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 I don't, and that's the thing i don't even want to talk about you know to me to me i'm not even mentioning those type of people because they're not worthy of it like the, the amount of messages i got from people saying hey man i'm not really on twitter i'm not really on yeah. instagram and i just wanted to let you know that i care that i'm thinking about you or i'm praying for you and I want to reiterate to everybody listening, you guys also inspire me. And I, and I mean that if you're not messaging me, I don't, you know, what is my drive to go on? What, what is my drive when Joe or myself is going through something that's really difficult? Like we've gone through in the last year, you guys do uplift us and there's no show without you guys. And, and I, and I want to reiterate that time and time again, because Without dirt balls, there's no dirty sports. So I have so much love for everyone right now. And I'll never forget how everyone's how everyone has been so kind and compassionate. And it it, it means the world to me and to my family. And uh, and I'm and Andy, I'm glad you can bask in the positivity and you know, shut out the negativity. Uh, obviously, you know, we're different kinds of people. I will find and kill those negative people, uh, take in style. And, you know, you just, you know, you just focus on the good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I, Guys, I, I, I will find you. <laughs> and I will kill you. I, I, I don't have the time and energy for that right now. Uh, I got nothing I, but time and energy, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, my energy right now is, is on all the good things. And there's been so much uh, good through loss and through sorrow for me. And, uh, one of those good things is I got the blessing from you tug and the dirt balls. My Cincinnati reds are making the playoffs. Yeah. I, and dude, we got, we got the, we decided as a, as you know, the dirty sports to, to give the reds the bump. Um, you know, you weren't here on the show and that's good. We didn't like, we want the Reds to get the proper bump. We didn't want it spoiled by any Andy Ruth or Kerr. So it was like a perfect storm uh, of situations. It can get the un dirty sports bump. And I feel great about uh, your Reds chances. I mean, I think anything is possible, certainly, in 
in a 60 game season playoffs, uh, you know, a shortened first round, uh, you're talking three games. I think anything's possible. And I love the Reds chances. Who's their matchup right now? The Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Fuck Atlanta. Fuck well, Atlanta. Here's what I like about the Reds. I'm the biggest Reds fan in the world. Yeah. I hate the Braves. Uh, their, you know, their tomahawk chop is offensive on multiple levels. Um, let's go. Let's go Reds. Well, well, what I like about the Reds, no matter who they play, I would put the Reds three, Bauer, Castillo, and Gray against any three. I would. Like, of the 16 teams in the playoffs. And that's the, all that matters, really. Those guys top have. three starters. Exactly. And those guys have backed it up. You know, Bauer is, it's going to come down, you know, basically it's, it's Bauer, DeGrom, and Darvish for the Cy Young. Obviously a shortened season Cy Young. But I, I like their chances. Now the Reds, can they hit? No. Awful. Right. Like 220 team batting average. I mean, yeah. it's, it's beyond awful. That's a concern. But could Matthew McConaughey in Angels in the outfield field before there was Angels? No. But now, with, with Walt holding Joey Votto's bat for him, <laughs> the Reds are going to be unstoppable. Yeah, so I, I'm excited. The Reds obviously went on a great run the last basically 15 games, and they're one of the hottest teams in baseball. And, and I realistically think, and I don't know if this is me being a homer, but we're 60 games in. I realistically think, Joe, if this is a 162-game season, the Reds are hitting that point of the season of their stride where it's like, I thought that, you know, they would have eventually run away with that division had it been a real season. But it wasn't. And it Wow, was run away with it. I, I think so. I, I, I think, I think they, were, they were starting to get in the groove that well. But – Well, now's one, the time. It's, it's all about being hot. One gripe I am going to have is against our division rival, the Cardinals – and I know a lot of people have tweeted about it. Trevor Bauer has tweeted about it. The Cardinals and the Tigers are the only teams that didn't play 60 games. The Cardinals finished 30 and 28 with a 517 winning percentage. The Reds were 30 and 29, also a 517 winning percentage. So my gripe is they're a five seed, the Reds are a seven. They didn't even give the Reds the opportunity to. So the, Re the Reds. Played 59 games or the Reds will play? No, the, the Reds, Reds played 60. The Reds were 31 31 and 29. And 29. Got the, it. the Cardinals and Tigers are the only two teams in baseball that didn't play 60 games. So they had two games left between each other. So, so I, guess, I guess my only gripe right now is the Reds weren't given a chance to improve their seeding because baseball said going in, if the teams were set to make the playoffs – we weren't going to let a team improve its seeding, even though the Reds and Cardinals have identical winning percentages. Right. It's and, and honestly, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of issues with this. If you're, if you're looking to be fair, the Reds, uh, you know, typically in baseball standings, you're going by wins, like just straight up wins. Like I understand that they, they don't, they didn't have an opportunity to finish those games, but it goes both ways. You know, they didn't have an opportunity to win those games. They didn't have an opportunity to lose those games. It, it, it seems to me like if you're going to have the exact same winning percentage that defer to the team that didn't go to a casino and get players to have COVID 
and and at the same time i understand that i understand that they won the season series against the reds but you know that that's that should that's only a tiebreaker when they're tied which they're not you guys have more wins yeah, exactly. So, so that's my, you know, that's my one big qualm about this whole situation. Now, you would know better than me. Maybe the Braves are a better matchup for the Reds versus the Padres. I, you know, I don't know. So, I mean, to be totally honest with you, if I were, if 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 it were if it were the Mets, I'd rather play the Braves than the Padres. I, I mean, I know that the the Braves are pretty darn good as well, but uh, when you talk about like this shortened season and guys getting hot and, you know, uh, pitchers getting hot or players, you know, guys in the lineup getting hot. Like I don't want anything to do with Manny Machado or Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. You know, and not that the Braves don't have their fair share of players, not that they don't have probably, you know, a significantly better uh, rotation, especially with only having to start a couple of guys. but. I'd rather be playing the Braves. Yeah. And, you know, the Central showed up. Four of the eight teams in the playoffs for the National League are the NL Central. So it, it was obviously a very, like, dog-eat-dog division, right? They were all kind of beating each other up for the most part. Um, as we briefly look at this, Joe, because we got a lot to discuss today, who do you – I mean, do you have any favorites from both leagues? You know, obviously the Rays and Dodgers, the two best records in baseball – who do you like, or are there teams that you like as sleepers? You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I I think that the Dodgers um, lineup is ridiculous, and I think that guys have not played even up to their potential in the Dodgers lineup, which makes them that much more scary. But uh, the flip side of that coin is, I still think Dave Roberts is the Doc Rivers of Major League Baseball. You have shortened series. Uh, especially in that first round, I think anything can happen. Um, I, as far as like sleepers to win it all, um, I don't really have. I again, I think anything is possible, but I think that the I, I like your Reds' chances of of playing deeper into the playoffs than you know maybe they should. Uh, I love the Padres. They got the dirty slides bump. They brought back the Brown like we begged them to that year one they're in the playoffs they have two of the best players in baseball on their team and guys that are Machado is hot as hell and Fernando Tatis Jr. uh, was insane to start the year and obviously has that potential Um, the Yankees have been playing really well but I'm not a huge Aaron Boone fan either Um, you know I guess not really a sleeper but like you look at a team like the A's, um, so many years they haven't gotten it done in the playoffs. And is this the year that they get to do it in like the, the asterisk season, you know? Yeah, I, I was actually just thinking about Oakland. Like, is this the year where, where Beanball and Moneyball actually produces a title? Obviously, this is, you know, uh, they, they lost probably their best player in Chapman. Um, so that's going to make it tough for them, but like, I'll, I'll do this. Let me, instead of talking about sleepers, like, I don't think the Marlins have a chance. I think the Marlins are in, uh, solely because it's a shortened season. 
Um, you got to like what the Blue Jays are doing, but their matchup against a division rival, I don't see the Blue Jays going very far. I think the Astros, uh, it's just, I mean, they didn't play. Like the idea that the Astros are in with how bad they they were like on a player-by-player -player basis is actually surprising, and I don't think they'll be great. Um, in in the uh, in the AL, Cleveland's four, but but Bieber's insane. Like their pitching is is strong. Uh, I like Cleveland. I like the Twins. I like real, real quick. I, I like you, the A's. Do you think? I always think. Do you think Bieber? Do, do the Biebers know each other? Uh, it's probably a great question. Have the Biebers um, ever hung? Have, have have they ever hung I, out? I, I, I have a feeling like Shane Bieber knows Justin Bieber, but Justin Bieber probably doesn't know Shane Bieber. Because I thought Justin Bieber was like a, a – you know, I think he likes sports. Does he? he, he well, he, he thinks he's good at basketball. Remember, he used to post okay. some of those – he used to post he's stuff. He's like Bow Wow. He used to play a lot of celebrity games. Well, no, he used to post stuff on Instagram when nobody's guarding him, and he thought he was good. But right. I'm not saying he's good. I'm just wondering – I think that's a great question. Does Justin Bieber know how good of a pitcher Shane Bieber is? Let's get I, Justin Bieber on. And we've got Justin Bieber here to answer that question. Justin? Can you do a Justin Bieber? No, no. I don't even know what Justin Bieber sounds like. Yeah, I, thought, I was like, man, what's Prano been working on since I've been no. gone? Did he, did he get a Justin Bieber impression down? Yeah. What do you think of, what do you think of Shane Bieber's uh, curveball? Oh, he's got that yummy, yummy. <laughs> Has anybody ever described a curveball as yummy? Very sexual to describe a curveball as yummy. Do you do you like the format, the bubbles? Yeah, fuck it, let's go. I, I mean, I think baseball more than any of the other sports, like it really just does not feel like a like a proper baseball season. Yeah. Um, you know, even from the awards standpoint, I know you were talking about like Degrom and Bauer and Darvish. It's like the idea that Jacob deGrom is going to potentially have a break in his seven consecutive Cy Young runs for this is like unfair. That, uh, it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel like a real baseball season to me. Is that but the like, prediction? Seven straight? Yeah. Uh, well, two and then a break and then five. Sure. But, uh, you know, like it, it almost feels like a baseball tournament. Yeah. More than it feels like a baseball season. And it's fine. Like I love baseball and as much as I love baseball, it's still going to take a backseat to the NBA finals. I was just going to say take that. a backseat to football on Sundays. Yeah. Baseball is the redheaded stepchild. A hundred percent at this point. Like they are baseball. No one's a bigger baseball guy than me, but like it, I ain't watching it over. Like I have two TVs set up in the living room on Sundays like baseball and getting the big TV. Yeah. I, I will say yesterday, I think yesterday showed me, even me with my hometown team, I, I had, you know, I don't have multiple TVs set up here at my parents' house. And I had the Cowboy Seahawks game on and I had the Reds game on my iPad. You know, to me, that shows it's like, where are the priorities? Final game, they were in yeah. extra innings against the Twins. I still was like, you know, come on. I, I got to watch football, especially that game was wild. But uh, all right, it sounds like anything is possible. Like, we're continuing the 
the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're, we're kind of basically continuing what we thought would happen when Utah and myself discussed the whole notion of the theme, I should say, anything is possible. We'll just run that for the postseason for Major League Baseball. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely think so. I mean, um, you know, the idea of saying, oh, the Dodgers are 100% going to be in the World Series just to me seems ludicrous given the, the, way, that this, the way that this is all set up. I yeah. mean, uh, same goes for, you know, Tampa Bay, same goes for the Yankees, same goes for like any of these big teams. Like the idea, every, I think anybody is susceptible to anything in a three game series. And then, and then, I mean, even look at football and what's going on in basketball right now, like the home court, the home crowd, that stuff is a major factor. And I think it probably didn't play as much into the baseball season as it will in the baseball postseason. So no crowds, uh, neutral site games, all that stuff, I think is literally anything is possible, especially in these first rounds. Yeah, well, well let's, let's segue into the NBA. The finals are set. The Heat Lakers, you know, two completely different runs as far as you have a five seed, yeah. which dominated. I mean, let, let's not under, you know, underscore. They dominated. Undersell, yeah, yeah. Yeah, undersell. That's the word I'm looking for. Through the playoffs. And, you know, the Lakers dominated. Dominated. But I, I, I feel like, obviously, the surprise was the Miami Heat. Yeah, um, absolutely. As a five seed, I mean, we could talk about how much uh, the bubble affected things on the, on the, in the Eastern Conference. You know, I think the Lakers not being able to play, the Lakers being the one seed, not having those games in Staples, how much different could it go? You know, they sweep every series. It's like it really didn't seem to affect the Lakers that much. I mean, they have the two, two of the best players. They have the single greatest basketball player to ever walk the face of the earth. That's a good start. Um, on the flip side, on the East, do, you know, I like this Heat team. I think this Heat team came together fantastically. I think young players on this team have blossomed uh, into knowing exactly what their role is. Spolstra, I think, has blossomed into a coach that, you know, was given these kind of teams the last few years and, and got it done to some extent with, you know, the starless team. Then you add a Jimmy Butler type of star. Like, I really like this Heat team. I'm not saying that this wasn't possible outside of a bubble. In fact, I think it's, it was very possible outside of a bubble. But I think more so in the Eastern Conference, especially how quickly they ran through the Bucks specifically, um, this is, they were probably helped by not playing you know, road games. By, especially you know, when you look at Hero and Duncan Robinson, like the shooting, which we've been talking about since the beginning of the bubble, Shooting's been off the charts in the bubble. Um, I am the world's biggest LeBron stan. You know, uh, I think LeBron is has proven once again how dominant he is and that there's no one in his class in the history of the game. But the Heat will give them a series. Oh, yeah. Because I they've got guys to throw at him. They've got uh, – 
you know, they're just a deeper team. They're, they're just like, there, there's more, a, there's a, a more consistently average, like quality of player as opposed to LeBron and AD and then a drop off. Um, I am not overlooking this heat team as a guy who is obviously rooting for the Lakers to win. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, and they just have a good all around team, excellent chemistry. I think you guys did a great <laughs> job last week and we did need to kind of re-acknowledge, you know, Eric Spolstra has been underrated by yep. including myself. Including myself. I mean, I've said that as well. And, and look, this same thing goes for Eric Spolstra that goes for a lot of, like Spolstra came in young. He's like a video guy, blah, blah, blah. He gets pretty early on. He gets handed the super teams. They only win two out of four. You know, you can put that on LeBron all you want. You can put that on whatever the case may be. You can put that on the Spurs being really good. You can put that on whatever. But like, the bottom line is, and, and I don't even really think it's fair to say that those teams underachieved. Again, I think the most disrespected team in the history of American professional sports is the 2011 Dallas Mavericks. And the way that people still talk about them, and like I, I get embarrassed for people's basketball's opinions when they're like, this will be the worst team to win since the Mavericks. It's like, you guys, like, just stop talking basketball if you're like, talking about the Mavericks. That Mavericks team was great. That Mavericks team pissed and shit on the defending champ Lakers. Um, Two-time defending champ. Yeah, but the the bottom line is you look at that run and going 204, you could argue uh, you, you swap Pop and Spolstra. Do they at least go three of four? Do they go four? Like at the time, you know? Now, that being said, you can, everybody grows and and that's something we're certainly going to talk about you know in, in the way some of these quarterbacks from Josh Allen to Russ to Aaron Rodgers the the way people get kind of uh you know the, the way people go oh this is what this person is it's like Eric Spolstra became a better basketball coach yeah. bottom line bottom line well you, it's something small but watching the game last night at the end, I picked up on something. They won the game, and maybe this is just who Eric Spolster is as a person. I, you know, I don't, the truth is I don't know that much about him personally. But he was so calm. He, he wasn't – after the game, it, it just, you could just see the look on his face. The look on his face to me was, we're not done. Yeah. You know, it, it was a very reserved, hey, I've been here before. I've been yeah. to four titles. I've won two. But the look on his face, which I thought to me is, if I'm a Heat fan, I like that look of, cool, we won. I'm not overly celebrating because we still have one, left ser one more series to take care of. And I think he obviously has been underrated, which brings me to my next point. Have we overrated Brad Stevens? He's been there for seven years. Three conference finals, am I correct? And yeah. You know, this isn't to take a dig at Brad Stevens because I think he's a very, very good coach, but have we all, in general, overrated him? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, I think, again, I think that the 
when you talk about Spolstra and the overrating and the underrating of Spolstra, again, it's like he grew as a coach. You know, he, he didn't have the stars anymore. And he has still, he has still gotten to the NBA finals. And um, that's something when you look at the Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers has not improved one second as a coach. And that's why when you talk about guys being overrated, it's like, I mean, how many World Series is Dave Roberts going to go to before he figures it the fuck out? Like, grow as a coach. I feel like maybe in the underrating or overrating, I should say, of Brad Stevens is when Kyrie was there, what he was able to get about get from Kyrie. Because now he's gone to, in the last four years, he's gone to three conference finals. The year he didn't make it was when he had a, a healthy Kyrie. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you know what this Celtics team was missing was a veteran bucket getter, which Kyrie obviously is that guy. But, you know, it's, it's, sort, of the, it's sort of the balance. It's like he also got there without him three times because he's a pretty darn good coach. Now, Phil Jackson had a guy like that and won five championships with him. So there's like the strategy coach, there's the ego managing coach, there's all these things. And it's like, when you have the best players, winning is a lot easier. Yeah. What's impressive about Eric Spolstra, and to some bit of a lesser degree, what's still impressive about Brad Stevens is they're the ones in the Eastern Conference Finals. They don't have Giannis. They don't have, you know, Kawhi last year. Obviously, Kawhi and the Raptors won it. But, like, these guys being able to get there without the stars and, – and, you know, this is no diss of Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is a star. But, like, Giannis isn't in the finals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, again, I think the, the Heat – it's team basketball. And you see it when you watch them. They don't get rattled. And – Watching last night's game, you know, it's, it's a very tight game. And they just knew how to basically excel when it mattered most. All series, yeah. right? I, I think a, a big difference between these two teams is Jason Tatum is supposed to be the Celtics' Jimmy Butler. And Jason Tatum's still 22 years old. Sure. And, you know, you look at how young the Celtics are. It's, it is a testament to Brad Stevens that he's there every year, essentially. Yeah. So Who do you, who do you I, like, I, Joe? Joe are, can we make any predictions? The series I, like, I like the Lakers in six. Okay. I think yeah. a lot of people are underrating the, or underestimating this Heat team. A lot of, I've seen a lot of Lakers sweep. I've seen a lot of Lakers in five. I think the thing that really gives uh, the Heat a nice bump is – this bubble idea, forget the shooting, forget the whatever, is like, they're not in Miami. Going back and forth between Miami and LA when you're a young team, when you're like, I saw a great tweet that was like, after Hero's performance, if he was in LA, he would have been like on South Beach with Madonna, like at a club. Instead, he's going back to his hotel room having a Nature Valley bar. <laughs> like, and, and it's great. And it's, and it's a good point. Like, they're a very young team yeah. and they're get and they're getting contributions from a lot of these young guys and they're not having to travel back and forth across the country. And you're right. And to, that's a, two that's a major long metropolises, two major big cities. I mean, COVID or not, I mean, the Cardinals can't not go to a casino. 
The idea yeah. that the idea on the that, river. Yeah, the idea that Duncan Robinson isn't going around L.A. and Miami as a guy who's in the NBA Finals and being like, "What's up?" is like yeah. kind of ridiculous, you know. So, um, but at the same time, LeBron is a machine. LeBron has been sent back in time uh, to crush the legacy of Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Like he's the Terminator. There's no rhyme or reason other than he's on some performance enhancing drugs. He's a robot or he's the greatest athlete in team sports that we've ever seen for what he's doing at his age, for how long he's done it consistently for how many years in a row he's participated in NBA finals for how many Olympics he played in that time for how many minutes he played in that time. There is nothing like this in the history of sports. Well, he's certainly defied so far and it'll eventually catch up to him. He's defied father time. Un- yeah. Unlike. I mean, we, we, we always talk about, we always talk about Brett Favre, like, Oh my God. I mean, to play quarterback that many consecutive games, he has six days off in between games. He has a painkiller addiction. <laughs> like, yeah. LeBron's playing every other day, multiple Olympics, p- going to the finals. You know, everybody can, you know, jack off Jordan all they want. Rewatch the last dance. He was physically and emotionally exhausted because he had to finally get through that Pistons team and then he had to play in three consecutive finals. LeBron's playing in what is this? His 10th finals? Yeah, well, well, look, dude, I, I, I know you like to go down that. I, I don't even want to go down that because, for me, nothing's going to change people's opinions at this point. But um, th- th- this is the kind of thing that should. 36, but, 16, but and 10, 30, whatever it is, 36, 16, and 10, doing it again, doing it with a third team, but doing sadly, it in the bubble. I agree, but sadly it won't, though, Joe. It just won't. I mean, I mean people, have made, people have made their minds up on – the Michael Jordan, LeBron James debate, which, which is sad. I, 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 people, for some reason, they don't view sports and athletes' performance as, as a fluid process, which it is. You know, it's a constantly evolving, it's a malleable process. It's, it doesn't remain stagnant, which I, I, I don't get why people say that because these are interchanging parts that are constantly moving. Just like Eric Spolstra, like we said, has evolved as a coach, has become better, has progressed. Just like some guys, you know, get worse. So, look, I, I think, obviously, it's going to add to his legacy if they win another title, uh, without a doubt. Um, it's fun to watch them play. It's fun to watch Anthony Davis. But I want to say, this is a great NBA Finals for straight white males. We have Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. Well, first of all, how do you know these guys are straight? <laughs> I, mean, I just good point. Good point. Fair enough. Young guys. I mean, LeBron, you know, the LeBron, they, they, the older guys who have their wives and their kids is one thing. Like, man, I ain't been out to the club with uh, Duncan Robinson. Let's see when you know when when things back open back up. And Duncan Robinson is a guy who played in an NBA Finals. Let's see who's who he's going to the club with. You know? Okay, see what fair enough. He's going to. I spoke too soon. I stand corrected. It's a great Finals.
for all these white guys who can actually play basketball. Yeah, no, can we it's say fantastic. That? Sure. From uh, Caruso, Hero. Kelly, Kelly Olnick. Kelly Olnick, yeah. Hell, Frank Vogel. Look at Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel's the, uh, like, you look up straight white guy in a dictionary, it's a picture of Frank Vogel and his khakis. And, and I want to give him some love right now, too. Frank Vogel with the, with the, with the third zip like jackets he wears this guy's he's ready have you seen his caps by the way i think we've talked about this no i haven't bro his caps are ridiculous he is ripped in the legs that's awesome good for frank Vogel. yeah yeah it was a social media thing earlier this year like a team photo they're like jesus what is this guy doing on leg day frank vogel has some caps but yeah i think he's done a great job as well too and keeping the team together and obviously he had a pretty good history with the pacers and didn't go as well what in orlando but uh, I'm excited. I, I like where your head's and, at. And, maybe, and again, maybe like maybe LeBron's best coach he's ever had, given where both are at their point in their career. You know, we just said how Spolstra's underrated, and maybe some would argue that I'm still underrating him by saying this, but I just, I just have seen so much growth in the way Spolstra has handled teams. Props to him, obviously, for winning two titles with the, you know, with the LeBron Wade thing, but like Vogel is a mature veteran head coach and, you know, he's got LeBron now as opposed to a younger LeBron, a younger Spolstra, like, and, and it's chill. I mean, they, you know, for all the props we want to give the heat, the, the Lakers fucking cruised to the finals. Yeah. Well, well, I guess my next point, if, if we're both kind of leaning, cause I'm leaning like you Lakers and six, the next question would be who would get that MVP because they are both LeBron and Anthony Davis are playing at such an exceptional level. Uh, to me, look, I, I don't think here's what I'll say. I'm not sure. I, I know no more than one of those guys cares. LeBron doesn't give a shit. I mean, I think, I think getting the MVP and getting the finals MVP, he knows that's like part of the whole legacy conversation. But at this point, I think that, he just wants to win a championship. I mean, the, the way he talks about, you know, he wants to get a D his first championship. The bottom line is though, and Anthony Davis has put up some great scoring numbers. Anthony Davis has also had some games where he's got one rebound, two rebounds. He's playing on the outside. Like the idea that Anthony Davis is more valuable to that Lakers team than LeBron James. I don't care if he averages 40 in the series and LeBron averages 22. The most valuable player on that Lakers team is LeBron James. I agree. But again, Andre Iguodala has won the MVP. My point is the yeah, voters uh, don't that, make, make this right decision at all times. Right. And, and, and we shall see. Um, I, I think having a discussion of most valuable player before the series has started is, you know, maybe a little bit offensive to even the Miami Heat. But at the same point, at the same time, it's just like, the most valuable player in this NBA finals. Yeah. Regardless of which teams win will be LeBron James. Here's a fun, here's a fun LeBron fact. I don't know if you saw this. I saw this tweeted out. I think the NBA finals, as far as when the NBA and the ABA merged, I want to say it was 1970 or 1972. Well, regardless, since then LeBron James himself has competed in 13 and a half percent of the total NBA finals. Yeah. It's insane. He's been in more finals than like, every all but like three franchises yeah he 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 joins 
far as the most ever, I forget who's ahead of him. Maybe Kareem. I think it's just Bill Russell. Bill Russell. And Sam Jones. Bill Russell and Sam Jones. I don't even Sam think Jones. Kareem played in ten. Well, I think Kareem's tied with him for ten. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Could be wrong on that. But uh, here, uh, like, if a player tomorrow, and knock on wood, I don't want this to happen to anybody on any team, but if a player tomorrow falls in the, you know, Disney pond while they're fishing and cannot play in the NBA Finals, no player will affect the lines, the predictions, the Vegas odds more than LeBron James. Sure. Not Jimmy Butler, not if Eric Spolstra is not coaching, not if uh, Anthony Davis. LeBron James will be the most valuable player in this finals. Now, so, will he win that award? I guess we'll find out. Totally agree. 100% agree. Well, Joe, let's get to some NFL discussions. But before oh, you ready we do, for some football? Yeah. Before we do that, I want to remind all the dirtballs that Dirty Sports is proud to be presented by FanDuel Fantasy. That's right, guys. FanDuel is, offer, is now offering daily snake drafts. Joe, I know you love the snake draft. You've always been a big fan of the snake drafts. I do. It's a sneaky snake drafts. Yeah. No, it's fun going back and forth, and uh, especially like the, the head-to-head snake drafts, just trying to outsmart your, uh, your opponent. It, I love them. Yeah. Guys, the drafts start. You, you can draft your team live and draft start as soon as the contest fills. You and your opponents will draft six players in a six-round draft with 30 seconds per pick. Unlike other FanDuel contests, there is no salary cap. Just sign up and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Also, for anyone who wants to deposit, FanDuel is now offering a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Simply go to fanduel.com forward slash dirty or download the FanDuel Fantasy app to play now. That is fanduel.com forward slash dirty. FanDuel, more ways to win. Okay, lots to break down. I was back in the grind myself yesterday, Joe, watching all the games. So uh, let's break down the games we want to discuss and we'll just fly through the games we really don't care about. And, love it. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I just, no, I, I just said love it. You go, gotcha. you go ahead. I don't have the games in front of me, so I'm just going to follow your lead. Okay, let's start off with Thursday. Your boy Fitz showed up. I did not watch this, so I really don't have a take in it. Uh, judging from the stats, judging from the highlights I watched, the, the, the write-ups, it was a very Fitz game where he, uh, he was the mentor to Minshew, and, and, and Minshew was, you know – the young one trying to learn how to play. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it wasn't a, an especially, it was a very Thursday night football game and Tug and I talked about it that day is like the idea that the Jaguars who were favorites, like come out and win that game. No problem was absurd. Or Thursday night football, short week. Minshew really tends to be this guy who like, gets people so hyped, gets people to believe so much. And like almost always, I mean, I know he's young, but it's like, it's like the hype train almost surpasses the talent train. But I did see something based on how my boy Fitz played in that. I saw a couple of things. First of all, he's like top 35 all time in yards 
and TDs now. I think he passed somebody during the course of that game. But also, this coming week, in a game against ya boy, Sunday's Dolphins-Seahawks game is a matchup of two of the league's top six QBs per QBR. So a nice little quarterback matchup coming in Seahawks Dolphins. It, it might be a shootout, judging from how poor the defense, the defense, especially the defensive backs for the Seahawks, have been playing. Uh, yeah, good stuff. I, I again, I didn't see that game, but you're right. It looked like a very Thursday night football esque game. All right, you know, I, I quickly before I move on, I just want to say that at some point earlier this year, I was mocked and scolded for saying that Ryan Fitzpatrick makes the Vikings better. I'm not going to change my tune on that yet. I'm not, I'm even, not right. E, even for, even, even for cost, even for value, even as a cost per play value. Okay. Well, you know, that's that. Okay. That's a different situation. I think you have there. Um, look, I'm obviously not the biggest Kirk cousins guy. Um, he is number one on your hit list at this point. I've noticed. I just, I just think that, like, you know, we do a lot of quarterback breakdowns on this show, and you really can't take into you, – you really can't ignore what guys get paid. And Tug and I have gone down the rabbit hole a ton of times about rookie contracts and whatever. And the bottom line is I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football, okay? And if I was starting a franchise tomorrow and you said, hey, you got to pay Patrick Mahomes $500 million or Deshaun Watson will play for you for free, I'll take Deshaun Watson over Patrick Mahomes because value is part of building your team is how much you pay each of these guys. But Kirk Cousins is getting $30 million to be really fucking bad. He's the least valuable player in the NFL. Well, they are now 0-3. They lost to the Titans at home. We've now jumped to three and zero. You know, this was a back and forth game. Cousins did not play well. Dalvin Cook played very well. One hundred and eighty-one rushing yards. He 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 manages to overcome that that offensive line. <laughs> I noticed you getting into it on the Twitter sphere with some faceless Kirk Cousins defenders. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Shout out to Pedoti, though. Uh, my boy Pedoti, we made a bet on the season, and I gave him an out clause. I gave him a $20 discount if he wanted to get out early, and he took it. He bet, Smart move. We bet, we bet on uh, whether or not the Vikings would make the NFC Championship game. $100 to him if they did. $100 to me if they didn't. I said I think it was $300. I would give him – I would give him a $300 to my 100 if they did make it, only if he gave me 300 if they don't make the playoffs at, playoffs at all. He paid me after week two. They're 0-3. They're in a good division with two 3-0 and teams. They're not making the playoffs. No. Bigger question, and then we'll move on, because I know we've delved into Kirk Cousins so much on the show already. Will Kirk Cousins be the Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback 2021? I don't know. Uh, it seems to me like not if anybody there has a brain. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of people, and, and some of them seem to be in the Minnesota Vikings organization. And, like, I'm just so sick of hearing about, like, people blaming offensive lines. It's like Dalvin Cook's running for 160 yards. Like, he's fucking – their offensive line is good enough for that. Well – we're discussing 
debacles. We got to talk about your Giants, man. Awful. I mean, uh, talk, Joe, talk about, talk about another. Well, there's a lot of things happening. Talk Obviously, about injuries. Team. Injuries. Talk about another team of the a joke of an offensive line. Uh, talk about another team that the defense has been more active than I've seen them in years, but like there's only so much that they can do. They're not a great defense, um, but they, they have shown like bend, but don't break take capabilities early in games, but then the offense can't just can't stay on the field. I mean, if you look at time of possession in that game, it was, a bit, it was like 45 minutes to 15 minutes. Um, Daniel Jones holds the ball too long. Uh, Daniel Jones is, reckless with the ball uh which a lot of young qbs can be but he's one of those guys where um he's on a bad team and i i like daniel jones i i want him to succeed but at the same time i'm like for all the people that just wanted to blame eli manning forever turns out it wasn't fucking eli manning they're a goddamn bad organization and they are they don't seem to be getting it right what yeah? What have happened to that man? I mean, it, we're basically since that last second Super Bowl, minus that eleven and five team that you know got boat raced by the Packers in the playoffs. They've been pretty much a disaster for ten years, correct? Yeah, and I I think it is a combination of things. But first and foremost, again, you look at those teams that won, and I know everybody wants to you know hurl insults at me as an Eli Manning defender. The defenses weren't amazing. The offensive lines weren't amazing. Like they were pretty darn good at times. And the defense certainly stepped it up in the playoffs, but it was never a point where they were this juggernaut of a team. Now they had, you know, a top 10 quarterback of all time that came up clutch in two huge Super Bowls. And they had a great coach uh, who got the best out of, you know, I think a lack of talent at times. And a great quarterback who got more than enough out of guys who you had never heard of prior to Eli Manning and making them household names. The Giants kind of coasted on, on what Coughlin and Eli were able to elevate other guys to. And the bottom line is, if you don't build a, if you don't start with an offensive line and you don't start with a, a decent defense at least in the secondary, they've always had like decent defensive lines, but the linebacking core, since Antonio Pierce is like, who are you? Uh, the, the defensive backfield always has like one guy who can play and three guys who are lost. And that shit is just too much to overcome. And now you've got a young quarterback who is a little bit reckless with the ball, holds it a little too long behind just one of the worst offensive lines, and they refuse to upgrade. Start there. Build the way the Niners built. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo ain't Joe Montana. But, like, and honestly, your boy, Russ, like, go look at the early Russ days. Like, make Daniel Jones throw for 145 yards and a touchdown and win games. Build the right way. Yeah. Stop well, asking your brand new quarterback to do whatever. I mean, they're not as good as teams that are like significantly worse than them from year to year. Well, you know, I want to move into a discussion with the entire NFC East. I mean, Joe, I know we're three games in. I don't know if I've seen a worse division. I said it yesterday. Maybe the NFL will fix their playoff thing when a five and 11 team gets in the playoffs this year. 
I mean, I mean, what, what's going to happen here? The Giants are one game back. Yeah. The Giants are the worst. The Giants are awful, and they're one game back. Obviously, I'm here in Cincinnati, so I had a fair amount of the Eagles-Bengals game on. I mean, that Eagles team is bad. They are bad. And Carson Wentz looks bad. That's and what I said. I, I mean, I, you know, I joked and because every, every Giants fan wants to tank for Trevor. And I'm like, great, another guy who will die because he comes from a, a, a system where he hasn't been touched in college and he comes to just being roughed up every single play. But then I even said, I said, I, I don't think we can tank for Trevor because I don't think the Eagles will pass on him. Yeah. Well, well, he, you know, watching that game and, and, and then I watched the entire fourth quarter and overtime. I don't know how much of you watched, but the, the play calling, you know, the Bengals are up and in typical Bengals fashion, they blow the game with, with a come from behind touchdown by Carson Wentz, who did orchestrate a nice game tying drive. But then in overtime, they had the ball, like, it was so odd. Like, Doug Peterson was content. Did, did you see, like, they had the ball, like, the Bengals 41? Well, let, was, let's, let's just talk about that final, the, the end of the game. Yeah. It's like, you know, they, they go off sides and they go. So, you, so you're willing to take a shot at winning the game from 59 yards, but you're not willing to take a shot at winning it from 64 yards. And then you get moved back, so you punt? Like, it's like, and, and everybody's been mocking it because he put out a post-Super Bowl book called Fearless. And then he literally punts to end the game. It's like, if you don't believe in your defense enough to not let the other team go 30 yards and kick a field goal in, like, what would have essentially been, like, 13 seconds. If yeah, you like run 12 one, seconds. One more play. Against the rookie quarterback who's getting sacked <laughs> left and right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's absurd. But, like, to me, when I watch that game. I have said Doug Peterson has been overrated the whole time, including the Super Bowl. Before that, I said, I said prior to that, like, the, the, the reckless and just, like, idiotic coaching moves that he made prior to the Super Bowl. And then again, in the Super Bowl season. Just because you decide to go for it on fourth down and it, and it comes up right for an entire season doesn't mean they were the right calls. Now, congratulations. Enjoy your Super Bowl ring. But, like, a lot of that pl- playoff and that Super Bowl run, he was reckless. And, and, and some of it was idiotic, and it just worked out for him, and now it justifies everything. Well, I didn't see the fearless stuff, and I'm glad you brought that up because you made a great point. You're, you're going against – a rookie quarterback, again, Burrow has been sacked by far more than any QB in the NFL. He was getting sacked left and right yesterday. You're going into the Cincinnati Bengals, the epitome of dumpster fire organization. You don't have confidence in your – you accepted a tie. Like, you, you basically accepted being friend-zoned. You didn't even put up a fight. And it, it's embarrassing. Like, that, the way that game ended – but even before that, I don't know if you saw – it was like second down. They hit the ball at the Bengals 41. They were content with just a long field goal, which I couldn't figure out. I was like, you're not even going to try to give your kicker more, you know, a closer range to kick the yeah. ball. Just, yeah. It was just such a nightmare. Like, like I'll be honest. That because he doesn't have any trust in Carson Wentz. 
to not get sacked, to not fumble the ball, to not throw it away. As someone from Cincinnati who knows how big of a dumpster fire the Bengals are, that, that game, like I, I honestly, I think I need counseling. And I've gone through a lot, right? I need counseling after watching that overtime. Like th- that wasn't football. I don't know what yeah. that was. And to me, that's the NFC East. Obviously, Washington gets smoked by the Browns. Um, they're a nightmare. I think the Cowboys are the best team, but but what does that mean? I was just gonna say, yeah. you know, I watched the whole Eagles game. The, the Cowboys DBs at one point they had like four or five holding or passing. Like, I mean, let, let's just talk about this. And I know, and trust me, look, every single person because of all of our Russ conversations wants to have. Russ threw five touchdowns in the game. He threw three one-yard touchdowns to uncovered receivers. I mean, he had three, three touchdowns on the goal line, three one-yard touchdowns. Mike McCarthy and the, de- the, the defense of the Dallas Cowboys don't know that you can pretend to run the ball and not actually run it. They, they're, they're, they, it was like, it was like he, he was David Blaine turning – like he, he took their nose. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean, he's going like, "I got your nose," and they're like, "Bro, you have our fucking nose, dog! Like, what is happening? Where is where are all these, you know, handkerchiefs coming? Like, are they up your sleeve? Like, what? He's like sawing people in half. I mean, three one-yard touchdowns. Two, like Tyler Lockett just standing in the end zone, going like, "Throw it to me before <laughs> I get like shot," because like, why am I just standing here by myself? The the DBs on both teams. I texted Tug at one point. I go, this is painful to watch. Like the DBs, I've obviously Metcalf doesn't get a touchdown. He was wide open on that play where he made an, an idiotic play and gave up too early. But it was bad. I agree. Like like the Cowboys got pressure, but it, it was it was. I love the Alden Smith story, by the way. I want to I want to shout that out. I, I love that he has not played football since 2015. I think it's such a great comeback story. Uh, and we love our comeback stories in America. And obviously he battled a lot of demons, a lot of demons. I think that's cool. But like you said, if the Cowboys are the best team and Dak throws for 450 yards and they still lose, like, what is this team? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I just think, I just think, you know, whoever wins the NFC East and I'm not, and look, I think the Giants fucking stink. And, and nothing is proof of that more than having every single member of the 49ers be out yesterday and to just get boat raced and only be able to put up nine points, not to be able to get in the end zone, not to be able to stop Nick Mullins from scoring 36 points on you. Like the Giants drove. Nobody, there's the, the NFC East from top to bottom is separated by one game. I don't put anybody out of the equation at this point, but whichever 5-11 and 11, NFC East team gets to host a playoff home game should be the fuel that changes the NFL playoff scenario going forward and will lose. Yeah. Well, look, I'll say this much about both the Cowboys and Seahawks. Neither team will do anything. (coughs) Bless you. (coughs) Excuse me. That's you sneezing at uh, watching the NFC East. At their defenses. Yeah. Neither team will do anything. With with secondaries that bad, like 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 the Seahawks are three and zero, but uh, this will trans this will transition into talking about the Packers. The Seahawks are paper tigers, 
And again, you have to have a defense. I think right now, especially after watching the game last night, in my opinion, the best team in the NFC is the Packers, like easily. I, I mean, I agree with you. And uh, once again, I mean, there are people that still have not given up on this idea. Like, once again, the the talk of Aaron Rodgers' demise was a little early. Like, incredible throws. Um, it, it, you know, there's no lack of arm left. No Devontae Adams. I have a, I have a stat that I saw somebody share. Um, I took a screenshot of it. And... Rodgers was 13 sorry Rodgers was 13 of 17 for 160 yards and three touchdowns off of play action last night staggering volume percentage of the pass game um and that was again without Devonte Adams you know we talk about it all the time in the judging of QBs and the who's overrated who's underrated who has what left who doesn't have what left is you know the Packers now like Aaron Rodgers was dismissed for a long time between off behind offensive lines that were not great and everybody wants to give that pass to so many quarterbacks out there who struggle meanwhile Aaron Rodgers was never bad and now that he has a good offensive line and a running game that sets up the whole play action pass. I mean, 13 for 17 for 160 yards and three touchdowns off of play action. You see it with your boy, Russ. I mean, even Kirk Cousins, when he is competent, it's because they run the ball and they run play action. It like, it opens up so much of the game when you go, we're going to set you up. We're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. And then you play action and you get guys open downfield the deep, pass thing more often than not the deep pass comes off of play action and the guys who are excelling in deep balls like Aaron Rodgers suddenly is with his washed arm is because he's able to set it up with play action well, look, and, I, and and between their defense playing good their offensive line playing good their running game playing good and and Aaron Rodgers being who Aaron Rodgers has always been I just like how 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 do you how do you not call them the class of the NFC? Yeah, I, I think they definitely are as an all around team. And I was one of those people who thought he was on the decline. And I've 100 percent been proven wrong so far. He's looked absolutely phenomenal the first three games. That pass, I mean, I, I honestly thought Collinsworth was going to start masturbating on air last night. You yeah. know, you know that that dime he dropped on the move. But but you know what? We're joking, but. I understand why Collinsworth was so worked up. I mean, that was a absolute dime and they look great. And, and look, Aaron Rodgers may be on the decline in some regard physically. He still throws the ball very well while on the run or rolling out. He still has more than enough arm to make every throw downfield. And when you talk about ranking quarterbacks, even look Mahomes in terms of a talent standpoint is like, like it's just in terms of age and physical gifts and, and the throws he can make, like no one's there. But when you talk about all the top quarterbacks in the league from, you know, even the guys who are still around the breezes and the Brady's and the Mahomes and the Russ and the, and the Watson's and, 
you know, the Lamar Jacksons, all these guys, like when you look at what Aaron Rodgers is able to do at the line with the hard counts, with the changes at the line, with all that, like he is one of those guys who, unlike sort of the new class, he's still a holdover from the Manning brothers, Brady, Breeze, these guys who do, who, who, like up their game when they're not, when the ball's not even snapped yet. I mean, he, the, the, the hard counts, how many touchdowns do they lead to? Yeah. And, and well, playing and playing without fans. Yeah. Well, and, and, I th- and I'm glad that they talked about this on air. It was a great point. It's saying, you know, how much does a, a smart, intelligent quarterback like Aaron Rodgers benefit from not having fans in Minnesota, and then last night in New Orleans. You know, those are tough places to play with loud domes. And when you give a guy like Aaron Rodgers the ability to do the hard counts and change the play without fans, it's, it's, and, it's, it's unfair. And I, and I honestly just think that that's like it – is, it is a holdover, and I think if you have a quarterback who can do that, just makes you that much better. It seems like – nowadays teams don't even focus on like trying to develop guys that way. And um, maybe it's this, you know, athleticism versus like the cerebral part of the game balance or whatever, but it just seems like the young, the younger guys who are excelling um, just like they, they don't do that as much. Well, and I also want to give credit to the coach. I mean, the numbers don't lie. Say what you want about LaFleur. Is it LaFleur? LaFleur? LaFleur. LaFleur. I mean, the guy's 16 and three as a coach so far in yeah. the regular season. Like, you know, he's winning at over 80%. So, you know, it seems like year two really has things rolling for them. And again, we both agree they are the class of the NFC. The Saints are going in an opposite direction. I think Drew Brees is a hundred percent missed Michael Thomas. Oh yeah. And, and, and Kamara has been incredible, Great. but like, I mean, you, you talk about Collinsworth bonering out over Rogers. He also like was doing like a weird semi boner slash like defense of the fact that Drew Brees only throws passes behind the line of scrimmage these days. It's like, why would you throw downfield when you got Kamara who could just do it for you? It's like, uh, I don't know, stretch the defense a little bit. Maybe, like, not rely on your freak running back to, like, do everything for you. It's like, look, Drew Brees for a long time, and this is a Sean Payton offense thing too, has been that guy. It's the short, it's the quick hits, it's the screen game, it's all that stuff. But – you know, Breeze is getting old fast. Uh, and I just think, I still think the Saints will be in the mix at the end. 100%. Because I, 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 from a talent level. But absolutely, when you talk about Michael Thomas, I mean, a guy who is catching 100 balls a year. Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams is one thing. But Drew Breeze without Michael Thomas is a whole different fucking scenario. Yeah. And no crowd at home. Sure. Definitely. Well, QB, who I think is, is not getting enough love as he should, Josh Allen. I mean, can we just talk about – this guy's really, really good. And I think it's because he plays in Buffalo or he went to Wyoming. But 
holy shit, look at this guy's numbers the first three games. Look what he did last year with the Bills. Can we just say Josh Allen's a really, really good quarterback? Yeah, I think Josh Allen is a really good quarterback. I think that – I th- well, first of all, I think that they're – I think Josh Allen is one of those um, guys who you're either in on or you're out on. People don't want, for some reason, like Josh Allen. Like, he kind of goes against the modern idea of, like, accuracy is the most important thing and, like, you've got to be able to do – you know, you got to be complete. But, but, Joe, real quick – Real quick, I'm looking at his numbers. I'm just let me just read these to people who don't know. He's thrown for over a thousand yards. He's averaging yeah. 9.1 yards attempt. He's completing 71% of his passes this year. Ten right. touchdowns to one interception. The guy is playing great. I no, I, he absolutely is, and he's running the ball. I mean, I think he's got uh, four rushing touchdowns, right, or three rushing touchdowns, something like that. So there's that whole thing. I and and from the accuracy standpoint, like. What he's doing that people kind of said you couldn't do is he's, he's more accurate in the NFL than he was in college. And, yeah. and basically the people who don't want to like him have said that, look, I wasn't necessarily in on, on what Josh Allen has become. But if you go back and you listen to us, I also was like, I like Josh Allen a lot more than I like the other guys in his draft class. And I said that on the thing, it's like, at least there's this raw size, big arm, all that. Like everybody was like, is it Baker? Is it Darnold? Is it Baker? Is it Darnold? Is it, uh, there was another guy in the draft class and it's like, Josh Allen's pretty fucking good. And, and I've always been a guy who has preached about QBs who come from schools where they are the underdog on a, on a week by week basis, because then you have to deal like you, you come to the NFL. It's not, Oh, I'm getting touched for the first time ever. Talk to me about good Alabama quarterbacks, SE quarterbacks, Miami quarterbacks back in their run, Ohio state quarterbacks. Where are these guys? It doesn't happen because they come to the NFL and for the first time in their life, they're, they have to deal with a pass rush and they're usually put on a really bad team because they were so good in college. AKA Sam Darnold, every guy that's ever come out of Alabama, blah, 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 blah. It's like, I like that Josh Allen played at Wyoming. I like that, you know, guys play at schools where they were sort of undermanned. That was one thing that I liked about Daniel Jones is that he's in the ACC, but he's in at Duke. Um, Now poor him, he survived, but you know, uh, I, I think Josh Allen's been fantastic. And I know everybody wants to, give your boy Russ the MVP already, but like, how is Josh Allen not in that discussion? No, I a hundred percent agree. And to me, the MVP is not three games. Like we have a big season. We have Rogers is playing great. Josh Allen's playing great. Dude, Mahomes, you can never count him out. Lamar, the, two, like, the two guys, the two guys playing tonight. I mean, whoever comes out of this game, you know, like if you get a good game out of either one of these guys and a win, like they've got to be in the discussion. Hey, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, I, I'm also a free Matt Stafford guy. I'm not saying I'm not bringing Matt Stafford in the MVP discussion, but I like Matt Stafford. I think Matt Stafford is underrated. I think Matt Stafford has gotten a lot more shit by being on Detroit than he deserves. If he doesn't come back and win that game, I know Kyler Murray turns the ball over a lot, but like you're three and zero with the Arizona Cardinals in that division. Like he's got to be an outsider on yeah. the MVP conversation. Yeah. By the way, I think that that game might have saved Matt Patricia's where it was going for his job security. 
Uh, dude, I, if you think about it right now in the NFL, in all the years you've watched, I'd say I'd probably watch the NFL for 30, like, like close, as close as I could, maybe going back to age eight. I think this is one of the most exciting times I can remember for this many good quarterbacks. I, I mean, I agree with you. And I think the thing that um, makes it especially exciting is they're all very different. Very, very different from guys. I mean, you know, you talk about mobile. Josh Allen's mobile. Kyler Murray's mobile. They're not mobile in the same kind of way. Exactly. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, they're kind of mobile in the same kind of way. You know, Cam Newton and Josh Allen, they're kind of mobile in the same kind of way. But, like, you go from top to bottom, all of them from athleticism to arm strength to what they do at the line of scrimmage, it's all very different as opposed to, again, which, you know, we, we still have the Brady's and the Breeze who are, and the Roethlisberger's who are sort of holdovers. But the Manning, Manning, Brady, Breeze, Roethlisberger, Rivers, that was a very similar sure, bunch no, of QBs. And that's my point is, like, what I love is from an athletic standpoint, and I like how you describe that. They're so different athletically and on the mobility on the field. I mean, take tonight. I mean, how exciting to watch Lamar versus Patrick Mahomes, which also still two very different quarterbacks, but what these guys can do on the field, just it gets me so excited. And honestly, I think it goes, you know, almost universally top to bottom in the league. I mean, I love what Burrow's doing. Um, you know, I love also Watson. mobile. Yeah, I love Watson. Um, you know, Bridgewater's playing. Yeah, you know, he's not super exciting, but he's, like, playing well. Um, Brady's still there. Like, everybody, like, across the league, you got – literally besides Kirk Cousins, it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, Fitz is fun to watch. Yeah. And literally, every, everybody besides Kirk Cousins – it has has something at least interesting about them. Uh, let's do some quick hits on these games, and I'll just pose some questions, quick discussion on each sure. game. We just got to fire Dan Quinn at this point. Sorry, nice guy, I'm sure. Falcons, you just can't keep doing this. I said Dan Quinn should have been fired with like three minutes left to go in the game. Like, honestly, the fact that he survived that long is remarkable. You either have to fire Dan Quinn immediately or give him a 14-year-old kid who plays a lot of Madden that teaches him how fucking clocks work. I mean, <laughs> bro, like, how is this possible? Yeah. And the second follow-up on that game, Mitchell Trubisky, what do we do? Just, just stick with Foles? Yeah, and they are, and they're sticking with Foles. And they're 3-0. So, like, the idea – that tells you everything you need to know about your quarterback if you're going to another guy when you're undefeated. Yeah. And, yeah, it's Nick Foles' job to lose at this point. 100%. Raiders, Patriots, I didn't watch too much of that. Uh, seems very – you know, a typical game where the Patriots are going to win because they're the better coach team and better all-around team. Uh, look, the the – People were talking about the stack going into it, like teams that were 2-0 and coming. Like, it's one of those wild, like, way too particular stats. But this game lines up for a Patriots win. It was a Patriots win. The idea that Bill Belichick was ever tanking is ludicrous. He didn't get Cam Newton to tank. The Patriots are only going to continue to get better as they are able to roll out more and more things. If Cam Newton stays healthy, 
Bill Belichick is, is playing this season going like, I'm playing Cam for one season. I still think the Patriots are not to be overlooked. Um, the Raiders, I think are going to be fine. I think the Raiders are good. And I don't think this is – I don't think this is – this is certainly a blemish on their record, but I don't think it goes, oh, this exposes the Raiders. I think the Raiders are good. Did you watch any of the Watt Brother Bowl, Texans-Steelers? I didn't. I tuned in for a minute. Um, I put a, I sprinkled a little bit of money on, uh, on the Texans' money line. Um, I, didn't, I didn't watch a ton, though. No, me either. Uh... I, I, I still have to laugh. I, I looked at an old tweet I had that I think the Watt brothers give each other muscle milk gift certificates for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Don't they seem like those type of brothers? A- absolutely. Absolutely. Like, 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 or, or just like showing up literal cases of it and giving it yeah, to each other. Yeah. But we don't have a swing set. We have an obstacle course in our backyard as kids. That's how we train with giant tires. Yeah. I mean, the Steelers. Uh, like, yeah. Winning that game. I mean, d- what's your thought on the Steelers? I mean, I know you didn't watch a lot of it, but like, what's your thought on the Steelers? Are the Steelers contenders 23 for 36, 237 and two touchdowns for Roethlisberger? Is Roethlisberger play 16? Are they, I'm not ready to call them contenders. No. Okay. I'm not really either, but you know, there are a lot of Steelers fans and Tomlin defenders and whatever out there that like never count out the Steelers. I, you know, I still think obviously the Ravens are, I still think the Ravens are better than them in that division. And uh, then you have all the other teams in the AFC. Uh, The Colts blew out the jets. Not much to say about that game. Just enjoy the stacks of money that you can make betting against the jets and the Colts. I mean, yeah, the Colts, Colts haven't really proved anything yet with kind of their competition, but they are two and one. The Panthers uh, win in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. T- Justin Herbert took some lumps. You know, that's going to happen as a, as a new starter. I, th- I just think uh, the Panthers aren't going to do anything of, of uh, you know, playoff-wise or whatever this year. But if you're a Panthers fan, you've got to feel great about how they're competing with a new coaching staff and a new coach. I agree. I totally agree. And then uh, to wrap it up, the uh, the Bucks dominate the Broncos. I had that game on. It, it seemed pretty easy uh, for Brady and crew, and the Broncos are now zero and three. Yeah, well, the Broncos lose their quarterback. The Broncos are in a tough division. Yeah, um, but I mean, I don't know. There were for some reason there were like Broncos believers and Lock believers, and then like after losing Von Miller, it's like I wrote them off before the season started. Sure, he's the glue for that defense. Well, that's our week three recap. I know we both have stuff to do, but before we wrap up the show, Joe, I know I said we weren't going to talk much college football, and I don't plan on doing it because, again, it's too much of a just debacle to even understand. I mean, not all of college football has started yet. Exactly. Some some of it is not going to start. So, like, it's a bunch of morons, and I don't want to allocate my time to morons, but – Someone I do like is Coach O, and his Bayou Bengals gave up the most yards by an SEC quarterback ever in their loss at home to Mississippi State. LSU became the first defending champion to lose their opener after a title since the 1998 Michigan Wolverines lost uh, to Notre Dame after the title they won with uh, Charles Woodson when he won uh, 
Heisman as a defensive player. Now, I don't know if you watched the game. I actually, I was, I wasn't feeling the best Saturday. I was, I was, I was drained physically and emotionally and I just stayed in and ordered a pizza. Uh, so I did watch the game and I did enjoy the game because it was back and forth. Um, but fortunately we actually have coach O to talk. about. I'm glad because I did not watch the game and I'm glad we can have somebody that can weigh in on it. Yeah. So again, LSU goes down opening week uh, to Mississippi State. And uh, Cocho, your team gave up, let's see here, 623 yards to KJ Costello, an SEC record. What happened to the Bengals defense down there in uh, Baton Rouge, Coach? Well, Andy Ruth, uh, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, having me on the show. And uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, we want to dip into some uh, territory here talking about different things that happened to my team. And, uh, you know, uh, some some people might be sensitive to it, but it, it's got to be talked about. I was sort of bragging at one point that uh, 70 of my players had, had uh, gotten COVID-19. And in retrospect, that was not something to brag about. It, it, it turns out getting a deadly virus is not something that you want to run rampant through your locker room. And uh, we can overcome a lot of things. We can overcome bad secondary play. We can overcome, uh, you know, uh, injuries on the offense. But it turns out having your entire roster uh, uh, feeling sick and achy and uh, potentially dying was not something that we look forward to. Um, I got to say, uh, I read a lot of the newspapers. I watch a lot of the news reports down here in uh, SEC country. And uh, a lot of them were saying it was not a big deal. And uh, I would like to say that I, I did buy into that. And in retrospect, that was wrong. That, that we got our butts whipped. And, uh, you know, it turns out for 95% of your team to all have a virus at the same time, it's not good for a football team. <laughs> and you know what? Um, turns out. Some of this news ain't, ain't fake. Coach, again, SEC record, 623 yards by one quarterback. Like, like that's, it's even difficult to think, especially after you had such a great year last year. Do you think there's any hangover effect of losing your Heisman winner, Joe Burrow? I think the, uh, you always, uh, when, when you win a title, you're always going to have a, a hangover. Uh, and, and let me tell you something about hangovers. Andy <laughs> uh, when we won the national championship, I drank, I consumed a little bit of alcohol and I did have a hangover and hangovers. They don't feel good. They put a hurting on your body and your mind. And so, yeah, and losing your Heisman winning superstar, number one overall draft pick quarterback, that's going to hurt. But the guy, for the guys who remain, yeah, there's a little bit of a hangover feeling. And I said, do you guys feel hungover? And they said, we really do, Coach. We really feel we got dry mouth and a headache and our body hurts. Turns out uh, they also all had uh, coronavirus. So, uh, you know, hangover and COVID-19, not good for a team's uh, physicality. Uh, well, Coach, you, you got to get healthy. I, I know uh, – I you know. attempted to tell the virus to suck my tiger dick, and the virus said, suck my 19 dicks. <laughs> it it <laughs> fucked us up, Andy Ruth. I ain't going to lie. I have, I have not overlooked a lot of teams in my day, but the one team you don't want to look 
overlooked is the one that has killed hundreds and thousands of people or world and nationwide. So, Coach, I'll let you go with this final question. You do have a bounce back game, which I think you guys are big favorites to win this week at Vanderbilt, who uh, are the Commodores. I know you like to focus on the mascots. Any uh, any hot takes or I don't you- know what a commodore is. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm not so technologically advanced. But until about two years ago, I was uh, drawing up my plays on a Commodore 64 computer. Uh, so they may be a technological. I, I, let me let me put it this way: if if this is a battle, and again, I do not know for sure what a Commodore is, but if the the matchup battle is uh, Tigers versus late 80s computers. I think we got this one in the bag. Now, you may think, well, what you, you played the Bulldogs. So, like, Tigers should beat a fat dog with uh, breathing issues. But you know what? It's still cats and dogs, and we got breathing issues because our entire team had <laughs> COVID-19. So now it's more of an even playing field. Uh, well, Coach O... Thank you for making that cameo, and uh, good luck this week at Vandy. Oh, thank you, Andy Ruther, and, and, and the Tigers will rise again. Wow. It's been a minute. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Joe, it, it's always great hearing from Coach O. That was a, a kind of an unprompted cameo. Now, you're on cameo now yourself, right? I, I am on cameo. Uh, that's a great segue, Andy. That's a great segue. I am on cameo now. Uh, I got the invite to join the cameo famio, as they call it. And uh, I've already done a couple of, uh, of cameos for folks. Um, but I did, I did one for uh, a dirtball last week down under. Uh, congratulated him on his Aussie footy, fantasy footy win. And uh, I just want to say that uh, if you were thinking about p- purchasing a cameo from Joe Prano, I just want you to know that I have access to guys like Coach Joe. So in a way, you could you could order a cameo from me. I I can call Coach and get him on the phone. I can call Bill Russ Bill Walton and get him on the phone. I can call you know Chris Mullen get him on the phone. Ooh. A lot of different guys who I have access to in my Rolodex who could give a cameo to you. So go to Cameo. It's an app. Uh, and you know, you can, you can buy a cameo for me. I can wish, uh, you know, your, your boyfriend a happy birthday. I could, uh, and, and by the way, I'm giving discounts if, if you want like Bill Walton to quit your job for you or something like that, like well, any, uh, any quit your jobs, it, uh, I'll give you a half 50% off. What about, you know, cause I, I I'm loving this. What about if I wanted a happy birthday from coach O, Bill Walton, Stephen A. Smith and Chris Mullen is, 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 is. I feel, I feel like that's doable, provided they all answer their phones. I feel like you could get, uh, you get the whole team in there for a happy birthday. Love it. Love it. All right. So everybody check that out uh, on Cameo, Joe Prano. You can follow us on Dirty Sports on Twitter and Instagram at The Dirty Sports. You can follow me at Andy Ruther. Uh, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you can. Uh, once again, much love and thanks to everybody for the support. And uh, I'll keep needing it, guys. I'm not going to lie. This is not going to be an easy road uh, for me. And I, and I know that. But I am looking forward to flying back to Los Angeles on Wednesday. I will be back for 10 days. But Joe and I will get uh, our final 10 days together before I officially do come back to Cincinnati. And uh, I look forward to that. Yeah, Andy, it's, it's honestly great to have you back via Zoom. 
I, I like, I, I have a level of excitement about doing the show in person with you in the Smut Studio again that I've never felt before, whether I was on the road, whether even, even after your months back in Cincinnati, uh, I think it'll be great to get back on the show and just uh, get some good positive energy going. And uh, I can't wait for you to be back. So um, hurry, hurry home, pal. Cool. Thanks, man. And I actually, we'll discuss off air. I have some fun stuff planned uh, to honor my dad, the late, great Walt Ruther. I, I, I want to do some stuff for next episode uh, well, in, in his I, memory. I, you know, uh, if you believe in that sort of thing, we got the Reds in the playoffs. We got uh, the Bengals tying games, which is better than losing them. True. We got, we got uh, Chris Collinsworth boning out over two different quarterbacks. Like it, yesterday was a little bit of a, a celebration of Walt in the sports world. It was. It truly was. Well, Dirtballs, thanks again. Look forward to coming back. I am just, just like Joe is excited. I am extremely excited to get back to Venice, to get back home to this month's studio. Everybody have a great week. Stay safe. And as always, stay dirty.